Hello everybody and welcome back to another super early in the morning rendition of the Thoughts on Crosses podcast. It's currently 7 o'clock and I'm way too tired to be talking right now. So I apologize if I hand my mic off sometimes. I'm your host, my name is Cooper. Hello everybody, this is Sarah and I'm here to talk to you about evangelism today. And I'm Chris, uh, we participating also in this discussion on evangelism. I'm currently at UWA doing a Bachelor of Arts majoring in philosophy and classical history. Hi, I'm Clayton, um, uh, drop in and drop out host sometimes, maybe not, <laughs> and I'm also studying at UWA. And we're the happy family of the TOC podcast, yay! <laughs> this is very, so, as we said before, we're talking about evangelism, so sit down, strap in, this is going to be a good one. Alright, so I think that we should start with some stories about evangelism. I can start if you guys want, so then you guys can think of stories about evangelism. So, I've always wondered, how should we be evangelizing? No, we're not starting with that. We're going to start off by saying we're sitting in dome right now. So apologies for any background noise, but it's better than white noise, I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he knows what I'm saying. Back to the main topic. Alright, so I always take the train with Chris to uni, and we usually travel together, and we always see these older-aged men, and they always have these massive signs that says, Jesus loves you on them. And they always, they always come up to you or a random person on the train and they start talking to them about their faith. And I've always wondered, is this really the right way to go to that publicly confess your Christianity to, to the world, it, like to make it that open? And, and I've actually had a conversation with one of them and it was quite interesting because they, they grabbed a piece of paper, like a square, and they folded it over and over again and they ripped it up. And basically, they un, as they unopened the ripped up paper, it first revealed a, a picture of a house so then they're like oh this is your family and then they open it up again and it spelled the word death and then they're like the sin causes death to your family and then finally he ripped up the paper again and unfolded it and it formed a, a symbol of the cross and then underneath it were the words Christ and I thought it was really cool I can't I can't redo it again I mean it was that complicated but it was it was a cool way to show to a person who's never believed before what the essence of our faith is, and I, I was wondering, um, Jews guys think that we should be doing it uh, very uh, scriptural based, or should we be doing more practical ways like that to introduce our faith to another person? When you say scripturally based, how exactly do you mean that would that would look? Well. Where we basically put a Bible in front of another person and say, this is the Bible, this is how it went down, um, we fell into sin, Christ paid for our sins, and then show all the connections from the Old Testament and New Testament, so they're just overloaded with the information, instead of simplifying it, which may get it wrong sometimes, like simplifications may show wrong parts of our faith, for example, that maybe um, it wasn't how we believe that um, it wasn't it wasn't just Adam's fault that he fell into sin it was it was also our fault through the pollution of sin or but um, so like we might get that wrong when we first um, profess to another person evangelize to them 
and, and just say, oh, so Adam and Eve fell into sin, so it's completely their fault, just to move on to the next part of the scripture so they, they can hear the grace of the whole Christ's death and stuff. Yeah, when we first um, evangelize to people who have had no contact, or they've had no knowledge of the Bible and of, of Christianity, then it is important, I think, not to not to really get into the details and the specifics about, you know, maybe who that we all sin through Adam and Eve as well. It's definitely important, of course, that they know we sin because that's an essential part of the gospel message. But we don't want to get too da- bogged down with the specifics, but we really need to focus on, on the gospel message and, and the grace that we have found in Jesus Christ for our sin. Yeah, and as long as when we're talking to them, um, we don't necessarily have to bring Scripture to someone who has never been confronted with Scripture uh, ever in their lives. But if we point out to them, let's say, look around you, go, um, what do you see in the world? Do you see natural disasters? Do you see family members dying? Do you see family members getting sick, uh, cancer wearing away at their flesh, and that type of thing? And if you point them to that, which is basically the result of sin, and, and they can't disagree with that. Um, it's just a part of what the world is because of sin. And then you go, um, once, you, once you've developed um, that in their mind, that yes, the world is torn apart, and yes, their own life is torn apart, then you can move on and say, um, give, a, give the a better option of Christ. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. Um, I I have tried doing that with a person at at work, and I and I was like, oh, have you had any family or friends that have died in the past? And he's just like, yeah, my friend died who committed suicide. And then I was like, kind of stumped because I'm like, because suicide is is um is wrong, and we shouldn't be doing it. And then he basically saw that I was stumped and basically said, oh, so you think that my friend wasn't saved even though he was a good person? And then he had kind of a uh, caught me in a trap because I couldn't say I didn't want to condemn that person but then I couldn't bring the faith to him anymore because he could say oh so you believe that that person wasn't saved then yeah Chris I definitely agree when we're talking about the effects of sin that's a really good way to introduce the gospel when we, when they see the effects of sin and how the bitterness and the brokenness that it does bring into life and then and the hope of the gospel is is so rich and that's also why the the missionary work is so effective in like third world countries where the, where the devastation and the poverty is so deep and and life's just life is just so tough over there that and in the muslim countries as well and that the the need for the gospel is so much there and then it just it reminds me of this beautiful text in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 to 15 which says now thanks be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place for we are to god the fragrance of christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing so the, it's like the fragrance of christ it's just that like that sweet aroma in the midst of of horrendous suffering and and the horrible effects of sin. And I think that's a really beautiful text. Yeah, and, and that text is wonderful as well, Sarah, because um, if, you, if you equate sin in this world to like a stench which we want to get away from, then um, the gospel as a sweet-smelling, uh, a sweet-smelling aroma is going to be a comfort to anyone because for their whole life they've grown up with this stench of sin and now you come with something better a sweet sibling aroma 
and and they will embrace that. But I think it, we got to be very careful with how we um, introduce them to the sweet smelling aroma, because you can't sort of splash it over them and then expect them to like them it's to like it, because it's like. It's very hard for somebody to, like, be forced to love Jesus or love God. So we can't just expect, like, once we give them the gospel that they'll be like, Wow, this, I, I love God now. This has changed my life because humans, especially when they're being told that their entire perspective of life is wrong, would usually go like, Yeah, well, no. And then they'd run away from it. So, like, we got to be careful with how we introduce and um, show them Jesus and his love. Yeah, so, Cooper, on that point, um, showing Jesus and his love, maybe we can uh, slide into that topic now. Um, I would like to sort of know, because we are Christians and we bear the name of Christ and John in 1 John chapter 4 talks greatly about because Christ has shown his love we also know to show our love to the rest of the world so is it enough then for us to show love to other people so that they may see the love of Christ through us as ones who bear Christ's name so basically, is is it enough to live to live as a light in our in our works, or do we need to have words accompanying that? Is that what you're asking, Chris? Yeah, we can address that. I think for the sake of evangelism and first showing people uh, Christ, you can like you can use just the happy parts. Like you do not need to. Well, I, at least I think Cooper thinks that you don't need to force them to witness the bad stuff foremost because like you well especially not first you can't um just expect them ex- expect them to sit and stay while you're bombarding them with like you're sinful you're a terrible person the world's a terrible place and the and you're not doing it right now which is wrong but you have to follow christ and you're not doing that so you're wrong like you can't expect them to take what you say seriously if if you're just going to insult them like that. So you have to really show them love first and then try to communicate that love for Christ that you have in your heart to them, which is a very difficult thing. Like even trying to get somebody to like the same movie or book as you is an incredibly difficult task. So like we got to be extremely, it's extremely difficult to like persuade somebody to um, love God. Even though it's not like persuasion, it's like putting the seed in their heart and then this Holy Spirit will work its uh, magic in them and then make them turn to Christ. But we can do as much as we can to give them resources and give them a kind of company that will help them love God rather than despise Christianity. But surely, Cooper, if... If we want to um, share the gospel with somebody, they need to know why we even need the gospel, why we even need the love of Christ. So surely the message of, of sin and depravity and death is, is so totally necessary then because otherwise, you know, what do we even need saving from? Like, 
then we can just do it ourselves anyway and we don't have a need for god yeah i think it yeah yeah i agree with you like sin and depravity um is the reason why we need uh jesus and his sacrifice but very saying it very monotonally and like accompanying it with images of despair and destruction is going to be disheartening for the person that you're trying to evangelize like if you talk to them solely about like oh you're sinful you're doing so many bad things in your life you have to go away from these things and then turn to Christ it's like there's no there's nothing there like he doesn't really care about Christ he just met you and knows about Christ just then and there so why why bother you know so it's preferential for maybe for them to come out with the the depravity side and for them to realize and to show to you that realization that that they're sinful and that there is a problem in this world because of all the depravity and destruction that is evident. Yeah, I <clears throat> I don't think it's up to them to decide that. I think that eventually maybe as they start getting more and more accustomed to the faith, they start reading the Bible for themselves. Then you can start approaching them and say, "Oh, um what your your sins are actually a big deal and I haven't talked about them before because um it might you, it might take away from the grace of Christ on the faith because really the amount of sins that we do doesn't really matter with the amount if Christ is saving us anyway as long as we we realize and repent and change our ways from those sins just as long as we do end up repenting yeah but one can't truly appreciate the message of grace until they know their sin uh, an acronym for grace using the five letters is God's riches at Christ's expense and if we only give this message to them um, people are going to forget what it's all about because they're focused on the riches which they're getting they're like and then they're going to be um, they're going to feel self-worthy and so I also think of Joel chapter 2 where it says repent and believe which Peter quotes in his sermon in, on Pentecost in Acts 2 um, so first of all you got repent and you need something to repent from and that's your sin and then you need something to believe in and that's um, believe in Christ and his saving work which he has done uh, if we go around telling people that they're loved and that there's something rich out there, then they're going to forget what grace is actually really truly about. Getting back to what you were talking about before, Chris, about if, if we can just show them by our works and if that's enough, we can, we can show a lot of God's grace by our works. And Philippians 4 verse 5 does say, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so it, it insinuates that the time is short and there's only a certain amount of time left which we can share the gospel with unbelievers. And the, and the way it suggests in, in this verse here of Philippians is by showing the fruits of the Spirit and gentleness and then that this life will become will look attractive to, to the unbelievers and those who haven't experienced God's grace and, and the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. But do you think that um, just showing showing the fruits of the Spirit and and leading a godly life is sufficient or do we have to accompany that with words as well? Well, I think uh, it's a good start and because we're also showing 
those fruits of the Spirit, and one of them particularly is joy. And if we're always showing joy in our life amidst this um, sin-torn world, then an unbeliever is already going to question that. So they will come to us and they will go, how can you be so joyful in this world? I mean, we're faced with so many problems. Uh, political strife, economic strife, social strife. Every aspect of our life is torn apart by sin. And and then once they've come to once they um, come to you, because of your lifestyle in this sinful world, then you can show the reason for your joy and the reason why you show those fruits. So it's a starting point then to profess to evangelize to another person is your good works, but then it's not. You can't just do it by your good works then. I think it's a starting point, but um, and and um, as as a Christian, we have to be showing these works twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days of the, of the year, um, and we are called to be lights, and we have to show this light all the time. But I don't think we should be relying on this fully. Uh, there is a time and a place when we can begin with someone. A conversation um, about what they believe, why they believe it, but then we have to choose carefully these times. And then again, there's also a time to actively go out and do evangelism uh, with the goal of just bringing the gospel to people. I have a question. What is what is the end of evangelism? Like, is evangelism? Um, going out, getting somebody to come to our church, like, is it as soon as he steps into our church and stays for the entire sermon, is that somebody who has been evangelized, or is it somebody who's done their profession of faith? Is it at that point where they're evangelized? Or is it like when they've come to church three or four times, that's when they're evangelized? Or like when we've just, when we've just, um, given them the word of God? Is it like at what point is the evangelism done? And it's no longer evangelism. Like, how much do we have to do in order to evangelize? Evangelism in itself, I think, is just the act of bringing the good news to someone. Uh, conversion would be a result of evangelism. Uh, Sarah, you went to Reformed Churches New Zealand a little while back. Um, do you want to share what? some of those churches thought about evangelism and how many members they might want to join their church every year. Oh, yes. I recall when we were in the, we were worshipping in the Reformed Church of Nelson in, the, in New Zealand that it was a New Year's Eve service and they were having a prayer. They were praying and then the, the minister asked for prayer points. And then one of the prayer points was that the Lord would give them 100 converts in the next year for their church. And this is quite amazing because actually I think it might have been 10. But anyway, <laughs> it was quite amazing really because the church only actually had about 100 people in it. So it was a very small church and they're praying for a specific number of converts that the Lord would give them. And then they also would actively go out and, and seek those converts. And they had got aims to establish uh, mission churches and, and that kind of thing as well, which is, as you said, it's really actively going out and, and preaching that word and really looking for converts yeah and i think that evangelism 
isn't just necessary for the person hearing the faith, but it's also necessary for yourself. So when you're sharing the faith, you're also growing in your growth in your in Christ. Like your faith is growing as you more readily know your own faith, which means you more believe it. If you can teach it, you understand it fully. Uh, and I take this from Philemon 6, where it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So maybe um, when you're evangelizing to another person, you're not only evangelizing to them, but you're evangelizing to yourself as well. Because <laughs> it, it sounds funny because you already have come to faith, but uh, I believe that evangelism is a constant growth. So, what about my point? When, like, at what point is the evangelism finished? I, I don't think it is ever. And what is evangelism to use, guys? That's an excellent question, Clayton. To me, I think evangelism is getting somebody to love God. Whether they do it correctly or not is a different story, but, like, if we go to other churches, like, happy clappy churches, they've got people worshipping God, not in the correct way, not in the right way, um, who are we to be, to say that they are saved or not, but they've, I think they have done a good job at evangelizing, but slowly, well, rather quickly, rapidly, people will fall out of that church, which means, you know, they don't have the meat of the gospel. Um, meat of the gospel come, m making its way into the second episode. I love that word. Um, but, like, they've already done an excellent job at evangelizing. So I think that's sort of a thing. Like, they have love for God. It's not correct. But, like, if we have somebody in our church with that love for God, they have been drawn into our church uh, through that love for God. And then we can continue to give them uh, the knowledge that they need to um, strengthen their faith kind of a thing. So I think that evangelism is that instilling love for God and then we can go on to correcting any mistakes that they've made in that love. Yeah, but using your definition against you, do we ever truly love God? I mean, through the Holy Spirit, we do learn to love God, but it is still in our human nature to hate God with all of our heart. So we are constantly falling in and out of this, I, I think, well, maybe not, maybe you sort of argue against me that we fall in and out of this spectrum where the Holy Spirit works in us to love God, and but then through our sins, we are hating God. So then we are just getting re-evangelized over and over again, maybe by the Holy Spirit and through the preaching of the gospel and through his word. And uh, In our own life, um, yeah, I see the point that you say about re-evangelize, but because we have already come to Christ, I would more attribute that to the sanctification. Um, yes, our own faith has its ups and downs, but ultimately in our journey towards Christ, those ups and downs are going to be going up. So our faith is going to be growing in our life. Um, we see that in our early years, we grow as we go through school, uh, we do our public profession of faith. Uh, as men, we may become elders or deacons of the church later on in our life. So we see ourselves growing in the faith as we go forward in life. 
Uh, that's in our personal lives, so that would be sanctification. Evangelism is more, I think, the first, for an unbeliever, the first contact they have with the gospel, and the act of evangelizing is bringing that to that person. All right, so, yeah, okay, that makes more sense to me now, but what about us who have actually grown in the faith? At what point have we, did we get evangelized to say? At what point did we understand the scripture to fully comprehend what it was saying? Were we just always evangelized because we were brought up in a Christian family? I understand evangelism is bringing the gospel to unbelievers um, to, and to those who haven't had contact with the gospel. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that definition in into our lives and say that we were evangelized to. We were taught the gospel, but I wouldn't really say that that it was that's called evangelism. And in response to what you're asking, Cooper, about when is the end of evangelism, I think evangelism never finishes because as soon as one person is um, like loves Christ and commits commits to having a life with Christ, there's always more more people that they're out there to evangelize to. Yeah, but like for the one person, <clears throat> when let's say we have talked to Murray, we'll use the name Murray. No, um, if if. If that's your name, Murray, I'm sorry that we're using your name. We're stealing it, Murray. I don't know a Murray, so I'm, I'm okay with using Murray. If we're talking to a Murray on a train, and then we say, Hey, Murray, here's the gospel. Here's some love for God. And then he comes to our church. <clears throat> Is that coming to our church a successful evangelism for Murray? Or is it we have to keep on evangelizing him until he professes his faith? Like until he proves he proves with inverted commas that he is a responsible and um, cognitive adult in the church. Like wh when when is evangelism for one person finished, complete, successful? Only ever successful in the Holy Spirit. But I think uh, evangelism would be complete. In for one person when they have confessed their love in Christ and when but you, you'll never stop witnessing to them of Christ's love just in the same way we can witness to others fellow believers in our in our church of Christ's love but you don't need to evangelize to them anymore once they have accepted Christ as their saviour and once they have professed their love in him so what if I'm doing campus ministry uh, I, I was involved in my first and, first and second semester of university in some sort of campus ministry through a power to change and uh, that group goes around and their their um, universal mission is to bring the gospel to university students on campus across the world so what if I was talking to a student on campus and I was talk uh, I outlined them the riches of the gospel and on that place immediately they showed a desire to go down on their knees and confess in Christ and that they believed that yes Christ is what they need in order to be saved and this was a true belief and conviction so within say two hours of meeting this person this person has known the gospel for less than two hours is evangelism successful at this point then, or does it have to be a confession in front of many witnesses? 
That's a good question, Chris. Uh, I, I, I don't really know what I, what I, what point I believe in evangelism anymore. Does it, does it really matter at what point evangelism starts and finishes at, as long as we are evangelizing? Um, the point of my question with that, when is evangelism finished, is like, at what point is it no longer like trying to get somebody to God and just strength, uh, um, like when does it transition to trying to get somebody to um, Christianity and then trying to strengthen their faith? What point, like, because trying to strengthen their faith... Um, that's like not evangelism anymore unless we want to call everything we do in the church evangelism because everything we do in the church is to strengthen our faith so like at some point we gotta we got like stop the blurring of the line between evangelism and uh strengthening of faith sort of a thing because i think because this all comes down to what i think evangelism is which is as soon as they like you can have evangelism hold on evangelizing somebody is um making them aware of god um and then hopefully making them love god or making them fear for their own lives so they um convert to christianity and then as soon as they've um started coming to church or that as soon as they've um acknowledged or accepted kind of a thing that they love God and they want to continue their faith in God and they love God and they want to like get forgiven their sins and stuff I think at that point it's just a strengthening of faith could you say that it no longer becomes evangelism when they are coming to you not you are coming to them would that be a better point to put forward because then they themselves know that they need the faith. Yeah, yeah so maybe uh, just quickly then we should distinguish the difference between evangelism and apologetics. Oh, no, I'm not into two that. Two big words. <laughs> two, two big words. Okay, I'll give it a go then because scary, no, one, scary stuff. no one else wants to have a shot at it. So I think like off Clayton's point, evangelism then would be going out, us going to bring the gospel to others not necessarily with a goal to convert them uh, with a goal to convert them would be bordering on mission work whereas apologetics is more in the realm of 1 Peter 3 verse 15 where it says we must always be ready to give a defense of the gospel so if someone comes to us with a question say regarding abortion euthanasia if they question what we believe in the defense of this then that's apologetics does that help everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, if someone's coming to you about your faith, that's not saying that they necessarily want to attack your faith. Maybe they just want to learn about your faith. And in my example, when I said that they're, the moment that they're no longer getting evangelized to is when they come to you. So would you say that talking to an unbeliever... Oh, yeah. I suppose both an unbeliever and a person with the wrong faith can. Can you could you say that a person with a different faith can be evangel evangelized to as well, even though they already know God? Do you want to just reiterate that question, please? 
Okay, yeah, sorry. So to reiterate the question, um, can we evangelize to people who have different faiths to us? So let's say an Arminianist or um, Roman Catholic. Would that be evangelism or would that be something else? Because they already do know the gospel. Do they though? Do they actually know the true gospel, the real, the real gospel as it's as it's um, written down for us and recorded for us in the Bible? I think their definition of salvation and, and the gospel is is actually a bit warped, um, and so we can still evangelize the gospel, the true gospel, to to these people. I have another question though. Um, when we're talking about evangelism. Um, and often, obviously that it involves contact with other people and, and there has been a lot of argument made that the most effective form of evangelism is relationship evangelism so that when we, we build up a relationship with, with uh, an unbeliever, build up a rapport with them and so on that basis then when we have their, we've gained their trust and, and when they've sort of seen some of the fruits of the Spirit evident in our lives then on such a basis we can evangelise and they will accept it a lot better. But there could be um, an inherent danger in in this, in building up relationships with um, unbelievers. And I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, which says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So how do we get around this? The fact that we need to obviously have contact with unbelievers to evangelize. And the call to evangelize is very strong in scripture. But then we could be perhaps compromising our own faith or... Um, or like when we do evangelize and, and putting ourselves at risk, so to speak. Yeah, that that's a good point. And, and I suppose the side question would be to say, should a person with weak faith be evangelizing then? Because they could be tempted to... Yeah. Just totally lost track of thought right there. Um, yeah, I've, I've had experiences at uni where... Um, I have made friends, and then by the time it comes to halfway the semester, where I, sh- where I have a comfortable relationship with them, I'm too scared to bring up that I'm a Christian because um, I don't want to wreck the relationship with that I have with that person. And this usually happens because eventually that they will re- they will reveal something about themselves that will contradict something that that is in our Bible. So, for example, they will talk like very for abortion and I suppose you can have arguments with them but you don't really want to be like well I disagree with abortion because I'm a Christian because then they are, they themselves are going to avoid you at all costs because they're like well we don't want to talk to you because you disagree with what I believe and I feel as if it's almost better to say straight away if you're a Christian because then they are more tolerant than if they accept you as a Christian then you know that they're tolerant to your faith so then they know that you might start to profess their faith. They already have that picture of you in, in, in their head. Just to answer that point that you just made there, Clayton, uh, at university, uh, which for our Canadian listeners, we refer university just simply as uni. At uni, at the beginning of every semester, in your first class... Uh, one person at... Uh, uh, the... Canada. Hi, one person at Canada that listens to us. The tutor often goes around the class and asks for a little bit of information about each of the students. Um, so 
the, so then you say, normally you say what your major is and why you're taking that unit, that particular unit. But I also think that this is a good time to go, yes, I am a Christian. And that way, already at the beginning of the unit, everyone in your class knows that you are a Christian. I suppose we did that in our, one of our philosophy units, but then everyone kind of forgot that we were Christians straight away. Um, and it was kind of important because we actually had one of our classes where majority of the people in the class were talking about this warped perspective that they, this warped belief that they have of the Christian faith. And Chris and me were just looking at each other like, what are they talking about? Like, wh- why do we interrupt? Because we would have spent the whole class just defending our faith with apologetics because they just had had it so messed up. So then we're just like, all right, we'll just we'll just let them go and have that belief because we're not here to discuss we're not here to discuss our Christianity. We're here to discuss uh, philosophy. In regards to compromising our own faith, I, I found another text which is in two Peter chapter three, and it says, "You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness." being led away with the error of the wicked. So here it's really talking about how we can fall with, um, I guess, association with the unbelievers. But then um, it continues, um, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. So I think that sort of offers a solution to the to the dilemma in, in of the fact that our faith might be compromised and we might fall away from our own steadfastness, as the text puts it, in that to ensure that we don't, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and when we really do have a passion and a zeal for God and when we do want to glorify him with all our being and when he is our comfort in life and death and in everything. And so then when, as the text says, when we have grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then we don't want to compromise our faith. We don't want to fall away. We won't be ashamed of um, the gospel. And that's also what Romans 1 verse 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. And so when we really have that focus on, on what salvation is and, and our sole aim is to glorify God and, and to be zealous for his name, then the whole attraction of the world, and it's just not such a temptation anymore. And that um, temptation just sort of falls away with that perspective. Yeah, so if, if we do undertake some some form of relationship evangelism whether that just be with a workmate or a friend at university um in our own life in our personal life we need to daily read our bible um and thus strengthen our faith through that so the bible is the source of our knowledge and it's what what we use to get to know God so if we're not reading our Bible we're not going to know about God so we need to do this daily constantly and if we do this then we can remain strong in our conviction in, in God and then we can also go forth into the world maybe even begin some kind of relationship with a workmate or a friend at university and um, start telling them about these rich this rich message that we we ourselves are daily com- daily confronted by. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, Chris. But so, would you say that it's a relationship based? We should do relationship based evangelism, where we slowly but surely build up this trust that we have with another person. Or would you say 
tell them straight away before you meet them. Well, as you're meeting them. Uh, I think if for effect, relationship evangelism is going to be much better. So by striking up a relationship with them first and then telling them the riches, uh, we're probably going to have a more positive result. But then again, there's nothing wrong with talking to someone impromptuously on the bus or in the train and just telling them that you're a Christian and why you believe what you believe. But that may spark something in them. They may start going to some church, not necessarily your church. But the thing is, you have brought the gospel to someone and then it's up to the Holy Spirit to either work that in them whether they go to some church or that they just leave it and they remain in their own sin. Perhaps, Clayton, it's important to make a distinguish to distinguish here. When you meet somebody, it's often, of course, important to not hide the fact that you're a Christian. You never want to hide that. Um, but relationship evangelism, I don't believe, does do that. It does allow for you to, to really to define the fact that you are a Christian straight away, but it's just that you don't force the gospel message onto them but then like you really wait till they're ready and 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 tidbits will come out in your relationship with them you might be able to offer them advice like proverbs has got some really helpful practical advice even for people who aren't christians that can really you know take of that so you could offer some of that kind of advice or and just in your way of living you can be evangelizing to them but you don't in relationship evangelism you don't share the gospel immediately but when the time is ripe and when the time is ready and when they are prepared to hear it as opposed to straighting away, straight away, not just to saying you're a Christian. You would still, um, really, you would still straight away point out that you are a Christian, and you'd never want to hide that fact. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to move on to the side question: Should should everyone have a role in evangelizing? So you know how I said, um, should people of weaker faiths be? evangelizing as well because they have that temptation of leading away is it everyone's role to evangelize to other people uh, i can give you some proof texts of why i believe that it should be because i've heard some arguments of why it shouldn't be as well well actually i'll give the counter arguments first and you can basically argue against that um the first point that they most people bring up to say that why they don't evangelize is that the great commission that Jesus Christ said to the apostles was said simply to the apostles. It was, it was more to the leaders, the missionaries of the church, and that, that's why it doesn't really apply to the general people in the church. And the second point that they bring up is in Corinthians how people all have these different gifts, and then people have the gifts of ministry and and all those and then tongues and stuff. And although some of those gifts have gone away, we still have that gift of people who can evangelize better than other people. And that's why you have people going into ministry and people who don't. So they say, oh, since only some people have that gift of evangelism and ministry, not everyone is obligated to witness to other people. And then I would ask the question in back to them, um, what is your true treasure? Um, we're told in one of the parables that the gospel is like a treasure which was found in the field and so a man bought a bought the field and then he found this rich treasure in that field and we have that treasure and if we find a treasure we're not just going to keep it to ourselves 
we're going to want to share it with someone. And I also think of Luke 15, uh, where we have the parable of the woman with the lost coin. She, she lost the coin, and it was only a small coin, but it was still a lot of what she had. And she searched and searched for this coin, and when she found it, she called all her friends and said, I have found my coin. And, well, we think that, well, it's only a coin, but what does it matter? But the thing is, this coin is the gospel. So she's come in, 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 um, in the message. She's come and come across the gospel. And then she calls all her friends to celebrate. So we need to take this approach as well. We have great news. And why don't we share that? Because there are people in the church who cannot profess their faith as weak. Of course, I do believe, it. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm defending the person who would be responding to you here, Chris. Um, I think that they could answer to you that they believe that they themselves are weaker in the faith and that they would be more tempted to be, um, to be drawn away. Let's say um, if they had only just converted... Um, if they'd only just been brought to the faith, you wouldn't say, oh, go evangelize to another person because they're still receiving strengthening in their faith. They still don't know exactly what they believe yet. Would you say to that person, oh, you should be evangelizing because every Christian should be evangelizing? You wouldn't want to put the pressure on them and say you should be evangelizing as if it's a burden that you have to do. Rather, sharing the gospel and the good news of Christ should be a joy. When when we have the, that joy in Christ and, and our sole aim is to glorify God, then surely we want to make Christ known so that more people can glorify him as well. So when we talk of evangelism as, as a burden, then you, maybe those people shouldn't, um, don't need to be the weaker in faith don't need to be evangelizing, but evangelizing shouldn't shouldn't be a burden um, that w- that we have to do. But it should be it should be our joy, and it should be every Christian's joy, even if they are not good with words. Um, the simple words which they do have, the, their simple words of testimony, are enough. Yeah, yeah. But what Chris was saying is that we should be evangelizing, and and you basically were saying that we should be evangelizing too. And although you may spin this different perspective on it and say, oh, it's a joy that we have. And yet, I believe that the majority of the people will have this will have this fear of, number one, fear of public speaking. So they'll be talking to another person. They don't really want to start this new relationship with another person. Some people are more comfortable with that, but I personally am not comfortable with talking to a new person. I've done it at uni before where, we, where Chris and me joined this Christian union group and... Um, we were we were tasked to evangelize to other people and I didn't like it at all. I mean, I kind of just like hid behind Chris the whole time. It was, it was, it was very fun. And majority of the people just downright ignored us, which made me not want to do evangelism anymore. Um, and this joy that you say, oh, and I suppose we can have a joy with our faith, and I have this joy when speaking to another Christian. This joy... Oh, yeah, I can feel the joy of spreading the gospel because we're teaching each other the gospel. But to talk to another person, a new person who doesn't know the faith, you don't know how it's going to go. And that, that, that uncertainty is what scares the majority of the people to in evangelism. 
so maybe not just talking to random strangers about the gospel, but what about in, in your in the relationships which you do have? Would you you still be scared to share the gospel to the to the people that you do know, like at work or at uni, the ones that you have more association with? You're still too scared to to share the gospel with them. Well, I've had experience with the the guy that at work, which I was talking about before, where yeah, I have got a good relationship with him now, and he does know all about my faith because I've talked enough about him. But there have been a lot of conversations in the past where he has downright uh, not wanted to talk about what I was saying to him anymore because what I was saying was going against everything he was saying. And I kind of didn't, didn't want to push anymore because and he was getting pretty upset with what I was saying. And maybe that's just my weakness in evangelism. But... Um, having that fear of breaking the relationship and I know that we shouldn't have that fear but maybe it would be better if someone else with a stronger faith well not saying that I myself have a weak faith but someone else who is more accustomed to evangelism would would have that relationship with the same person at work and then teach them the faith so not to have not to create this confusion between him and me with the faith so have someone better who's at evangelism do it firstly so then there's no confusion I think it's important to um, remember some things about about God when we do evangelize first of all we need to remember that God is sovereign so he's put me in this place in this relationship for a specific purpose secondly we have to remember that God is gracious and that he loves us in Jesus Christ we're washed clean through Christ's blood and so through Jesus Christ God loves us and we are his children and when the response of the person that we're going to share the gospel to, their response, whether they are going to want to break a relationship with us, whether they don't want to have a relationship with us anymore, or whether they get angry at us, or whether they even accept the gospel, however they're going to respond, that won't make us more or less loved in Christ because God is gracious. And then thirdly, I think the important thing to remember is that God is also powerful. And His Holy Spirit has opened my eyes to the gospel, and He can also open theirs. Our job is just to preach the gospel and to leave the results up to God. We don't need to worry about how they're going to react and how they're going to treat us um, in relation to it. But we just need to remember that we are loved in God and that the opening of their eyes to the faith is the work of the Holy Spirit and of God. And, and it's the onus isn't on us to do that, but it's just our role to share, to share the gospel and preach Christ. So we shouldn't worry. So your conclusion is that we shouldn't worry about how we evangelize just as long as we are doing it. Even if we do it wrong... We, we should be doing it no matter how wrong it is. We're still getting the word out there. And we learn, we learn and experience by, by evangelizing to other people. We learn, not, we learn what to do and what not to do in the future with other people. Just to clarify, when you said doing evangelism wrong, do you mean maybe our methods of evangelism aren't the best or do you mean the actual message which we're sharing? The message that we're sharing could be wrong, yes. Definitely make sure you get the message right. I would... Um, emphasize that it's very important but there are a lot of people who have the message wrong who could accidentally say something wrong and you're saying how serious this is so if if i have a mind lapse for example and forget some essence of grace that christ has that christ has for us would you say that that is a really big deal to evangelize something that's wrong if you just maybe miss one aspect, then no, that's not wrong. But if you if you actually say a heresy, 
um, then then don't go there. <laughs> but then you're saying that there is uh, people who shouldn't be evangelizing and people who should be evangelizing because people of weaker faith could have heresies in their own faith. I think if somebody does have faith, then they will they will have an essential understanding essential understanding of what grace and the gospel is, and and that's all that really they need. At the end of the day, the gospel is what will save. Not all the embellishments from the Bible; those can come later. But just the original as um, the original task of just sharing the gospel and the basic essential elements of the gospel. Someone with even with weak faith ought to be able to um, have an understanding of what the gospel is and be able to share that. If you say that um, a person, oh wow, just had a mind break. Sorry, let me let me rethink what I'm saying. So I think your your problem is if somebody has a weaker faith, then how can they evangelize? Because perhaps they don't have a proper understanding of the gospel, and then and they might they risk sharing the gospel in the wrong way, or even sharing a heresy, preaching a heresy. So then, how can we? How can I say that they should evangelize? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, and that, that they can create this this um, bad foundation which they may base their whole faith upon, which it will eventually crumble. Um, yeah. Then I think I would I would say in that situation it's important for them to really, um, as Chris was also talking about before, study up the gospel, study study the Bible, do their own devotion, so they really have that strong foundation. And then it's important for them to to learn about the gospel and to study the Bible themselves. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. So they have this, this limited amount of evangelism that they can come through because they may not be fully aware of their, as their own faith. So they can bring them to the gospel, but then the strengthening of the faith will be up to the, the, the gospel, the Bible, and the preaching of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And if someone doesn't feel prepared in themselves to go out to evangelize, uh, Southern River did a really good thing as youth a while back. I think Bell Divers churches do it, and my, and my own church, Byford, is looking at doing it. It's a course called Two Ways to Live, and it goes through, it, pin, it pins evangelism on six texts from the Bible, and this is the basis of what what we need to bring to someone when we evangelize. So it basically goes through um, creation and then how creation was destroyed through sin and then Christ's death to salvation and then that Christ will return and will go into eternal glory. That's the basic message that it goes through. But something like this course, if you're not quite ready and you know that you're not quite ready to go out and evangelize, I don't see anything wrong with doing a course like this. Uh, Your thoughts? The whole time. So... um Sorry for being out there, guys. Um, my mic was off. So we had uh, we had concluded that um, the weak, the people of weak faith. Um, I'm just having another mind blank. Why is this happening? Oh, I think it's the exams. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember. If you have a weak faith, you can still evangelize, but there's a point you can bring them to the gospel. But then there's a point where the Bible and the living preaching of the gospel is the one that will end up strengthening the other person's faith because you yourself might not have a firm foundation of where your faith is at yet if you are weaker of faith. So, yeah, you can evangelize. Even, no matter how weak you are, you sh- almost should be evangelizing with the joy that Sarah was discussing before. 
and if you do have that weak basis, then it is also important to really study study the Bible and, and so you have a strong foundation and a firm foundation and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ as we read from Peter before. Yeah, and to close, uh, something that we can remember is that God will use not so much our fluent words, but even a mumbling of the truth will be able to bring someone to Christ. Yeah. Oh, can I finish up with a text from Matthew 9, verse 37 to 38? Um, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord that the harvest of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So we have to pray that the gospel can be sent to other people. All right, and that about wraps up this conversation about evangelism. Thank you for listening to the Thoughts on Crosses podcast. My name was Cooper and I was your host. And I had with me today... Sarah. Chris. And Clayton. Thank you. Bye.